Welcome back to another week of uh, Chaturanga, the podcast. Um, this is Yasmin. I'm here with Alex. Hi. And we're here today with Siobhan. Siobhan McCown. Did I say yes. it correctly? That is correct, yes. I have never said, like, I've never seen your last name before. So <laughs> that's, yes. that's awesome. I'm glad I got it right on the first try. Uh, Siobhan is one of our yoga teachers of the Mindful Life Practice community, and you teach vinyasa flow, or is it gentle? Um, gentle flow. Gentle on Monday flow. at 4 p.m. or 8 a.m., depending on where you are. Yeah. <laughs> I took your class only once, and I loved it. But... Oh, yay! Thanks. You're welcome. The 8 a.m. has been uh, difficult for me, and... I am very uh, happy to be here today because right now it's 8 a.m. And and you are here and you're smiling and Alex is smiling, but it's like 4 p.m. for you. <laughs> yeah, but I, I have not been sleeping much because I'm in that course. Um, I The course goes from 7 p.m. until 4 a.m. Abu Dhabi time because I was supposed to be obviously in North America right now so it would have been on North America time and I had already postponed the class for a for a long time um trying to be in the right time zone so anyway I'm just doing it and um I'm it was okay I drank a lot of coffee but I only slept like six hours last night so I might try to like go down for another nap after this before I start again at seven <laughs> But it's, it's, at least I'm not working right now, so I'm able to, um, but anyway, I'm just as tired as you guys. <laughs> I had true happy summer vacation. It's probably almost over. I, I just yep. realized that you're probably on summer break. You know what? The, the awareness that it's over is slowly daunting on me because the few teachers that went home um, are arriving back because they need to do a 14-day quarantine. Um, and so I'm seeing all their posts of them quarantining in the building. And I mean, it's kind of helping me prepare, <laughs> but, um, yeah. In the States, none of us are doing anything right. <laughs> so it's going to be around for a little while. Yeah. In Canada, it's interesting because I think Canada, I truly think that Canada is doing the best that it can. Um, uh, where I live, we've obviously gained reputation for being like anti-masky and anti-vaxy. You know, I, I like saw the remnants of a protest last weekend and I couldn't believe it, you know, and they were all obviously, somebody once told me, <laughs> I hope this isn't offensive to you, Siobhan, I'm not sure what your personal politics are like, but someone once asked me if Quebec, the province I live in, is the Florida of Canada. <laughs> I was like you know what kind of because Montreal is different than the rest of the province whereas we're really liberal and like somewhat normal <laughs> but then when you go around Quebec you just see things and hear things and you're like wow how do I live here I love it I love it this is much more comfortable than I thought it was going to be. Let's focus on you now. All right. So, um, so tell us, tell us, who is Siobhan? 
Oh gosh, that is a great class. You know, it's it's really. Um, I I typically don't know how to answer that question because that question is so big. Um, it's an interesting time to ask it because I'm in the process of figuring out what that how to answer that question, what that means, who I am, what I want. Um, and as much as, um, oh, excuse me, <clears throat> as much as the whole COVID-19 situation has sort of interrupted a lot of things in our lives, for me personally, it has allowed me to kind of slow down and figure all of those things out. Um, professionally, I'm an educator for um, over 20 years. Um, I teach secondary school. Um, and so in the States, it's it, all teenagers, you know, ninth grade through 12th grade. I don't know how they categorize that in other um, places, but I, I get the children before they go off to college. Um, I teach um, primarily Spanish, but I also teach teachers at college. And so I've instructed teachers in um, things pertaining to classroom management, um, how to be cultural and linguistically responsive teachers, um, how to develop curriculum. So just, you know, everything and run the gamut. Oh, I'm also a real estate agent. Um, and so I've, I've done all of these things and it's kept me super, super, super busy. So I haven't had a whole lot of time to think and reflect. Um, but I'd said that this last year was my last year as a uh, public school educator because my youngest son graduated. So I've got two children, they're 25 and 18, and now they're both, um, you know, finished with school. And then COVID happened and I had the opportunity to sit and um, start to develop, redevelop my yoga practice. Um, and I had talked myself into, with everything else that was going on, into signing up for a yoga teacher training so that I could get more consistent about my practice, figure out whether or not it was something that I wanted to teach going forward. Um, and I, I can remember when it started, I was <laughs> like, what did you do? Because there was so much to learn and so much to do and my schedule was already packed. And then COVID said, I'm gonna give you a break. Let's just focus on, on this. Um, and so then I discovered that in addition to other things, I am a yoga teacher <laughs> and I have gotten, um, such great joy out of doing that and providing a space for people, especially people who did not think until this point that yoga was for them for a variety of reasons. And I was like, that's your niche, get out there and get people who don't think this is for them. And in a lot of ways, I, I have gone through that myself in different stages and for different reasons. And I had to um, overcome a lot of unproductive self-talk and I had to, um, you know, overcome a lot of, um, you know, issues with image and, and um, you know, other things, which is one of the things that connected Alex and I together is one of the reasons that I was struggling with some of those things is because even though I love yoga and I've done yoga retreats and I've, you know, been in out of a consistent practice, when I walked into studios, nobody else in the studios looked like me. 
<laughs> so the people who were teaching didn't look like me. The people that I was practicing with um, didn't look like me. And so even in terms of me trying to make a decision about whether or not to be a teacher, I'm like, who is my audience going to be? We're just not, we're just not there. And then life changed. And now I see we're everywhere. We just needed somebody to open a door for us to walk through. And that's where Alex came in. I would be your audience. Who would be my audience? My audience would really anyone who, anyone, period. Like I can stop it there, but um, for the most part, anyone who is interested in, um, in doing yoga, but for whatever reason have been um, dissuaded from doing it. Um, anyone who has struggled with yoga in the past and decided it wasn't for them, they, there was something about it they didn't like, it was too slow, it didn't work for their bodies, um, there is yoga for them too. Um, anyone who has been looking to, um, to connect with someone in a studio that was like them in any way, shape, or form, whether it's the way that they practice, the way that they believe. Um, you know, I, one of my favorite instructors was always really, really intentional about letting us know that um, maybe part, our yoga practice that day was getting to the studio. And then if we chose to lay in child's pose or shavasana for the entire 90 minutes that we were there, that we still showed up and what we did was still yoga. And that has made such a huge impression in my life. And so when people show up, if they show up and whether it's online or in person and they bring whoever they are and they give whatever they have to give that day, whatever that is, then that class is for them. What do you guys mean when you say that? Yoga teachers say that a lot about showing up. And even if you're just in child's pose or shavasana, like I just want to have a student with teacher moment <laughs> and ask, what do you, what does that really mean to you though? Like why is what that? What that literally means to me. And I have literally tried this out with my yoga instructor who said it <laughs> is I have literally, um, especially with hot classes, because sometimes with, Hot classes, if you don't do things just the right way, like you've got to hydrate properly, you've got to have the right amount of nourishment, the right amount of um, energy. Otherwise, it just doesn't necessarily go really well. Um, Or also sometimes with my schedule, I just am not in the right mind space for yoga and I'll try. And if I just show up and I go through a couple of movements and then I'm like, this is not working out the way that I needed it. To, to, to go. And so just working my way down <laughs> to the mat and just laying there. And then while everybody else is moving around me, knowing for me in that moment, because that's what my body or my mind needed, that I could just lay there and focus on my breathing. We went from there to, in later classes, she would say, and feel free to take, you know, child's pose or, you know, fetal position or whatever, whenever you want to. If you want to see how to do it, watch Siobhan. She will take a break whenever her body feels. I'm like, watch me. I will show you how to do it. And then it just made it a comfortable space so that if, and and I try to tell people also when I'm teaching, like if I tell you we're going to stay in, you know, 
down dog or plank for a count of 10, but your body says that it's had enough at five, then at five, you've done what you can and you come down. If you come and you just want to hear, you know, you just want to be in the presence of the yoga that is happening, but you don't physically have whatever it is that you need that day to engage in that practice, or you want to do some of it and you can't do all of it, I don't care. Like literally, it means what means most to me is that you showed up and that you gave what you had to give that day. And that's it. And if that's Shavasana for the entire 60 minutes that I'm teaching, then what that means is you gave your body what you needed, but you showed up because I'm helping you get something else that you need as well. Mm. And that's yoga. That's a really nice way of looking at it. I always feel guilty whenever I take breaks or whenever I give up too soon. I always feel guilty. I used to as well. And then I had to figure out how to let that go because it wasn't serving me at all. And what would end up happening is there were days that I wouldn't go to practice at all. And I wouldn't do anything because I felt bad that I wasn't going to be able to do everything. And it wasn't, so I went, I'm, like, all right, well, I can go and do some things and get the benefit of this, or I can not go and get nothing, not the mental, not the physical, not, you know, the emotional. And so that kind of helped me make those decisions differently. Um, it kind of reminds me of the conversation we had with uh, my friend Kat about trauma-informed yoga. And I think um, this belief that, you know, we have to do it all stems from uh, these kind of uh, other traditions of yoga like Bikram or Ashtanga that I've been part of where teachers have literally made me feel bad if I've opted out of a pose. Teachers have brought me to tears um, because they've made me feel guilty for like saying no. And so what what I think it really is, is like bringing the opposite energy in, which is in, in effect, it's giving you autonomy over like you have the choice of everything that happens on your mat, not me, not... Uh, you know, any other teacher. And I really, um, I love that about you, Siobhan, actually, because I didn't really know that was your philosophy when I <laughs> reached out to you. And I, I, I neither. I, I've kind of figured it out along the way as I've met people. And people have said to me, I've tried yoga before, and it just wasn't for me. And so then I'm like, talk to me a little bit more about what you mean by that. But in essence, that's what you did for me when you saw it me out and you provided me with this space and this audience and I just remember how amazing it felt and I'm just paying that forward. Mm. So did you, when did you do your YTT right before you joined the Mindful Life Practice? Yeah, so I started, um, I signed up for the YTT in November of last year. And then um, we started the YTT in January, the weekend of the 17th or the 18th. So this is what, like six, six seven months ago. Um, and I graduated the second weekend in May. I, I will tell you that it was a challenge. And my first, <laughs> my first response when I finished the, the yoga teacher training was not, ooh, let me go out and teach yoga. It was, oh my gosh, I can't do this ever again. <laughs> it was so much. And the process for me, because of the way that I did it and the program that I, that I um, went through, 
And I've since found out that there are, all the programs are not um, created equal. And so I've been really um, excited about some of the other things that I've seen, but the way that I went through it, it was extremely stressful. It was a lot of material. And then and part of the stress may have come from the fact that midway through COVID hit and mm. then we had to go online. And so we lost a lot of the in-person instruction, the in-person um, teacher um, prep and practice, um, working with each other. <laughs> and then I graduate and the exam was ridiculously difficult. I'm like, there's no way I passed that. But I also tend to be very hard on myself and I'm a perfectionist. And so I need to know all the things and I need to know them well um, so that I am versed enough virtually, not just, I mean, not just to, to take a test and pass it, but that I could teach all of that to someone else. And I didn't feel like that when I passed the test. I mean, when I took the test, turns out I did just fine. And, you know, I, I did a lot. I did well. I just didn't feel like it. Um, but when I graduated, I was not ready to teach. Um, and so I was looking for guidance and I was looking for direction. And uh, what my plan was, was to continue learning. And so I signed up for additional classes. Um, I joined a couple um, Facebook groups for yoga teachers. I'm like, at least, you know, let me um, surround myself by people who are already in this field. I can get some advice. I can get some guidance. They can tell me which classes to take, how they learn to do X, Y, and Z. And the first group that I joined, um, you know, the, the group admin were like, all right, new people, introduce yourselves. And I'm like, Oh, technology. Okay. Let me go ahead and, and do this. Um, and so I'm like, all right, think about what you want to say, try to be as concise as you need to be, but, um, be energetic and, and put yourself, put yourself out there. That was a big thing. Just put yourself out there. I'm like, you don't know any of these people. So if it doesn't work, ah, what have you, what have you lost? Um, and that very first post was what connected Alex and I <laughs> together. I think it was the same day that I posted. Um, yeah. and she saw it and it resonated with her for whatever reason, you know, she left a comment asking if she could reach out to me, um, via messenger. I, I said, sure. And, you know, we went from there. Here we are. Yeah. And can I just say, you have been such a, like, huge asset to our community. Like whenever you teach, it's like, I mean, I, it's my day off when you teach, so I don't actually come to your class, but I just see the social media around it. Like how excited you are to teach before and after all the WhatsApp messages, you have this community that's coming to your class every week and they're all just like so into it. Um, and it's, it's amazing. Like you've just fully come on board and integrated and like, I love it. Like, uh, I love it. And let me just say to you that they are a huge reason that I've grown as much as I have in the comfort and in, um, and even in the facilitation of the, the practice because of the feedback that I get from them. Um, you know, some of it is through you, the feedback that I get because they keep coming back. Right. So the fact that they keep coming back means that they're getting something that they need or something that they want. And that is so exciting to me. Like as a teacher, that is one of the things that has always just brought me my greatest joy um, being in that role. So I'm like, they're getting some. And so as I ask more questions about what that is and what that looks like and figure out what they like, 
then I can cater more to that. And then I find that there's value in that. So I'm like, okay, well, let's see if we can take this further. Let me reach out now to these same types of people in my community and see if, you know, I can, I can sort of like duplicate, you know, this, this feeling, duplicate these results. Um, you know, this is what I hear in this space, but is that because it's online? Is this because it's different? And so I built up all of these reasons in my mind that things could have been going as well as they were. So then I was a little apprehensive about trying things in, in person. So I started off with very um, intentional groups. And then I realized, you know, a lot of people <laughs> from, you know, all of the different things that I do. So I've been an educator for over 20 years. That gives me a lot of students, um, you know, families, teachers, the fact that I teach college, you know, all of these things. And so I said, I'm like these groups that I'm working with here with the mindful life practice, like I know these people in pockets. So let me start reaching out to them. Let's have some conversations. Let's practice over some yoga and let's see if that really is a need. And it absolutely positively really, really was. And now I have people reaching out to me who are interested in trying. And one of the things that they, the fact that I make it a safe space for them to do this. Um, you know, in my community, I've even, I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to have this section just for teachers. So now not only are you practicing with me, who is someone that you know, and who knows you, but now I'm going to surround you with other people that you know, and are already comfortable with. So there's no risk here for you. And you can decide you like it, you don't like it, you want to continue, you don't want to continue. There's absolutely no judgment whatsoever. But if you decide that it's not for you, which surprisingly hasn't happened <laughs> yet, like, tell me why first, tell me why you think that it's not for you and give me the opportunity to try to fix it for you. Because I want you, I want people in this. Um, I think um, probably one of the things that's made the, the biggest impact with me in terms of having this type of conversation with people is last weekend, I was helping another real estate agent show a house. And so I was working with her clients. I'd never met these people before. And I had to make some small talk with them because we were um, standing outside of a house that we couldn't get into for about 30 minutes. And so I'm like, all right, we're just gonna, we're gonna stay here and we're gonna generate um, some conversation. And so, you know, I let it out that I was a yoga instructor and the wife, um, a little older, maybe, I feel like she was maybe late um, 50s, had some, um, some challenges with movement. I think she had um, some things going on with her knees. I don't remember what, what exactly it was, but the first thing she said was, I tried that once, I didn't like it. I'm like, oh, tell me more about this. Um, and as I'm talking to her, her husband says, yeah, her doctor says that he really wants her to get into it, but she doesn't like it. And I said, well, maybe the, what the problem has been is that you're trying to make your body fit somebody else's yoga. What if there were someone that could tailor yoga to what your body needs and can do? I'm like, 
let's just keep talking. Like, I'm not going to ask you to make any decisions right now, but let's just keep talking. Um, we'll exchange information. And then, you know, if you decide later on down the road that this is something that you're interested in, then let's talk. And then I left it alone. Later on that night, I sent her husband a message. I'm like, here's my name. Here's my um, number. Have her reach out to me if you think she's interested and we'll start from there. The very next morning I had her information and she's been on my Facebook, just kind of looking at all of the, the yoga things. And I see it. I see all the stuff that she's watching. And I see all the stuff that she's liking. I'm like, ah, I, I got her. And so that may be, you know, someone that I get to, like, I may be changing something in her life because she was willing to have a conversation with me because I recognize that yoga did not serve her in the past. And now I'm giving her hope that it can serve her now. And that's been my experience with just about everyone that I have spoken to. And most people have jumped in and said, yeah, hey, I'm willing to try it. People are meeting me at 6 a.m. at the park and, you know, 7 o'clock on a Saturday. It's been awesome. You know what I love about that? I love the way you approach that by asking her, um, you know, tell me more about that. And what if you found yoga tailored to you? Because it's funny because I'm a coach, so I technically should have those skills. <laughs> Yet when people tell me they don't like yoga, I'm always like, well, you didn't, you should try other, you know, I'm always kind of explaining to them my opinion when really I should just be opening the floor to hear from them. Um, so I'm going to take that. <laughs> I've done it. Like I'm not a formal coach, but as an educator, I've done some training in coaches. And that's one of the things that we focus on is how to ask open-ended questions or make open-ended statements to kind of pull information out of other people. Yeah. And then I listen to what's being said and I'm like, okay, I can either help or I can't, but I'm going to try. Yeah. It's a great way to approach it. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, so what would you say to somebody who yoga used to serve, but then they feel like it hasn't been serving them anymore? Um, I would tell them, I, I would encourage them to try it again. But what I would encourage is for them to, to, to research the teachers that they're going to and to find a class and to find an instructor um, that will serve them better. Because chances are, if it didn't serve them and that, that there's, there's something out there for everybody. It's just a question of finding out where it, uh, where it is. If mm -hmm. it didn't serve them, then there was something that there just, there was a disconnect. Find, find a connection find a connection. And with technology, there are great ways to do that. Like you can, you can stalk people, you know, I like <laughs> online. Like they have no idea that I'm like watching their every movement, listening to their every word. So like you can do this in complete anonymity. And, you know, so people don't even know whether or not you saw their video and you didn't like it and you moved on, you know, they have no idea. Um, and so you can, and essentially like interview people that way by watching the way that they practice, watching um, the way that they um, interact with their clients or just talk to people, um, just talk to people. One of the things that um, I, I've noticed, especially being outside and teaching yoga at the park is that every single time we do it, people stop and they watch because there's something about what they see and it makes them ask questions. And so just 
going out there and finding something that looks like something that's going to serve you a little bit better or talking to people and getting information and figuring out which direction to go in that way. But there is literally something out there for everyone. Even if you are looking for something that is so gentle that you just lay in the fetal position for 60 minutes and focus on your breathing. Mm. It's there. Are the fetal position and child's pose different? They are. Um, the fetal position is like on your side with your knees kind of pulled up towards your chest, maybe laying on your arm as a pillow. And then child's pose. I found out that people, some people don't like child's pose. There was a, like a conversation going on in um, the WhatsApp the other day and um, people were naming their, um, their the poses. Yeah. And child's pose kept coming up on that. I'm like, oh man, I love that one because it really helps me open up the hips. It's a great resting pose for me. Um, but understanding that some poses work for some people and some people, you know, it doesn't, giving options and variations for that. But yeah, they're different to answer your question. That was a fun game, actually. Let's do you guys want to list yours on here? Yes, Siobhan, what are yours? All right, my, I'm, I'm getting over it. I, I really am. But my number one least anticipated pose is chair pose. Mm. And part of that has come from just the memory of what chair pose used to feel like because I've got knee issues. So I've got tendonitis in one knee. I've got arthritis in another knee and I've got degenerative discs in my back. And so chair pose used to feel horrible. Um, and I just didn't have the leg strength to hold it um, or had the strength, but wasn't able to engage it properly. And so it always felt horrible. I've gotten better, um, but the, the neurons or whatever it is that is connected to that experience, as soon as I hear chair, boom, my brain is like, oh my God, why? Why do we have to do this? Um, but I power through it. I'm like, if you are avoiding it, that means you need it more. <laughs> so I'm doing that. Um, the second one is chair with a twist. Still don't like that. Don't care how used I get to, to chair. As soon as we put that twist, twist in there, nope. Mm -mm. Can't do it. Um, my third, I'm, and this one is only because I can't do it. And it is, um, it's, it's headstand, but um, I can't remember what it, it's, um, I can't, it's got a name. It's not coming to me. I haven't had enough coffee, but it's the headstand where your hands are behind your head like this and you're on your forearms. That's easier for me than tripod. I think because I learned tripod first mm. that my brain just shuts down and I just want to go back into tripod. So we're the opposite because I don't do tripod. When teachers do tripod, I do regular or not regular, but what I call regular, this one. <laughs> that is so funny. Um, I don't, I think that's it. I think it's just those three. And again, not for any reason other than the fact that I can't do it or it creates a negative memory. Um, and then handstand, I love handstand, 
but I can only do handstand on a wall. I really want to get it in the middle of the floor and have it look all graceful and strong and I'm not there <laughs> yet, but I'm working on it. But I, I don't dislike it. I just, it, it's making me work harder for it than sometimes I choose to work right now. I think that's it. I can't do like handstand either. Okay. I've just, I've given up, which is a terrible thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> but oh you know God. what you're still doing yoga it doesn't matter if you can't do handstand which is the best exactly. part and I think yeah. sometimes there's this idea that yoga teachers have to be able to do it all um and I think there's a humility in being able to say I can't and this is not for me and that mm-hmm. doesn't make me any less of a yogi then yes what are you guys's um least favorite poses yeah, Yasmin, you go first. What are yours? The lunges. I don't like lunges. Yeah. Uh, it's because also my ankles and my balance have gotten weird. So it, they frustrate me because I can't always keep my balance in a lunge. And even when it's like on the floor, mm. I'll topple over sometimes. And it's really, really frustrating. So I've been trying to, it's funny because I listed, I listed them the other day. I'm not always engaged in the group, but I thought that that was a fun one mm-hmm. that I wanted to put out there. And then I took Mark's class yesterday mm-hmm. and uh, he, he stuck some lunges in there and I thought of them uh, <laughs> as I was trying to be mindful as I was doing it and just like trying to understand why is it that I always dread, especially the thing that I dread the most is when I see any instructor on the screen, their hands just going slowly up with <laughs> Why? And then Rowan started this, then Alex took it with the flowing of the arms. And then Mark did it yesterday. <laughs> It's like, when did everyone start doing this? But everyone's always been doing it. It's true. So, but I do like Warrior 2. I think I don't like Warrior 1, but I like Warrior 2. I find some kind of, uh, and then Moon Pose. I don't like Moon Pose because I'm not good at it. I have my blocks nearby all the time, but I can't hold my balance. Although Moon Pose just sounds so pretty and the name is so pretty. Mm-hmm. you know and it's just so like it's like I I, can, I align it to goddess pose mm-hmm. in that sense but because of the like the goddess energy of the moon right mm-hmm. so it's it's not that I dislike moon pose it's just that I almost envy it mm-hmm. you know what's funny about moon pose I, I think you've probably heard me say this in my classes before but half moon is like one of my favorite poses ever and I actually have a journal from my first 30-day yoga challenge 10 years ago, which is really cool. I wrote about every class I took. And I found it like last summer or the summer before. And half moon pose was my least favorite pose. I hated it. And I could, I, I could not even recall that, um, which is really interesting because it shows how it kind of brought me back into a beginner's perspective of like, you know, um, it it's really hard at the beginning and and then you know your relationship with poses can change over time so anyway I thought that was interesting it is I did think of one more boat pose 
Oh yeah, boat sucks. <laughs> oh my gosh. And again, because I can't do it and I don't know if I'm just, I, it doesn't matter because I'm not even, it and I are not friends right now. I'm going to get over it where I'm going to learn to love it at some point. I I used to dread down dog and now it's one of my favorite poses, but yeah, boat. Nope. I was going to say, I get what you mean about dreading down dog. I used to dread down dog too. Mm -hmm. It's hard. It's a lot on the arms and shoulders. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, (laughs) I remember when I first (laughs) Oh my God. When I first started um, teaching and practicing with my friends, for whatever reason, I thought that down dog was a really (laughs) good time to look down at my notes to try to figure out where Mm. I was until one of my, um, one of my friends yelled at me in down dog one day. She's like, don't leave us here while you check your notes. (laughs) Their heads are facing the other way. I get that. So you think they don't notice? Exactly. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, come down to your knees, go down to child. <laughs> so I just giggle whenever, uh, I mean, I try to use my notes very little, you know, these days so that I can actually watch people and be cognizant of the amount of time that they're on their wrist. So they're upside down and, um, and things like that. And that comes m- most naturally to me as a teacher um, because I like to make decisions in the moment as I see what is happening um, with my students. And I felt like in the beginning, I was so tied to my notes or you know, focused on trying to memorize things that I couldn't really feel it and I couldn't really watch them. Um, and so it was a lot easier back then to do something like leave somebody in down facing <laughs> dog. <laughs> oh, sorry, everyone. If that was <laughs> <I'm out>. <laughs> <laughs> now, if we stay down there for any you know length of time, it's intentional. But you always have the option to come down when you've just had enough. Yeah. You know what I hate? I've always hated it. Um, it's particularly difficult for me to forward fold while seated, um, mm. and especially wide legged. Um, and I remember when I went on my first yoga, and I think it's possibly more of even a mental block now because I just have so many stories around this pose, but I remember going on my first yoga teacher training. And and one thing we did was we were like practicing, you know, how to intuitively support people, um, in modifying poses. And so each teacher had to show their least favorite pose in front of the class. And then the students had to come up and, and kind of intuitively try to modify for them. And I remember going into the front of the class and like opening up my legs wide and sitting there and I could not tilt forward. And the teacher said to me, what's the pose? And I was like, this is the pose. (laughs) This is it. (laughs) And, um, and then I told Jillian who teaches for the mindful life practice, I told her that story and she never, ever forgot it. She thought it was so funny. So then every, every single time I went to her class, she made us do that pose and she even does it sometimes on MLP when she knows I'm in the room. She's like, this is for Alex. And now everyone on MLP knows. Um, that is so awesome. But I, it's, love it. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. There's something about like the gravity while standing. It's much easier for me to, uh, to do it standing. Someone, someone wants to know if Pilates count for the 30 day challenge. Yes, they do. Anything <laughs> the awful counts. <laughs> 
I was thinking about that earlier today, but it's interesting because this also ties into like what you were saying earlier about people who, uh, who say that yoga doesn't like, they don't like yoga. And then when I asked you, what if yoga used to serve somebody like constantly, but then it doesn't anymore. So downward dog, I never disliked it as a pose. I would just kind of be anxious about whether or not we're going to have to put our leg up. And then I and go into three-legged dog because then that indicates that you're going to go into a flow and you're going to do something like a lunge and then you're going to do a lot of work, right? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, we know. We know the patterns now. I've been doing yoga off and on for 15 years now. Like I know what's right. up. <laughs> but um, so what I've started realizing, especially through the books that we've been reading for the book club, is that... In the late in the in the book that we're reading now, may I be happy? She says at one point that she can tell when her students are feeling like anxious and they want to get out of a pose, or worse, the ones who can't wait to move on to the next pose. And that's me. Mm -hmm. I think that's where I'm personally at right now, and that can also put kind of a damper on anybody's relationship with yoga. Is that when they're not actually doing their yoga, they're just doing the asanas. Mm -hmm. for the sake of doing them and it's just kind of like you're mentally doing a checklist like remember when I told you once Alex that I got mad at an instructor for daring to do pigeon not in the MLP this is this is like at a gym where I used to go here in Montreal she did pigeon like halfway through the class or a quarter way through the class and I was like no it's not what we do <laughs> you do pigeon at the end that indicates that we're about to rest you can't tease me like this and then just pick it back up and you can't do a warrior two after pigeon. It just does not work. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it was such a big, like, it was such a big uh, betrayal to me. <laughs> I know what you mean because when I'm, when I'm practicing and then we start getting into the um, the back bends and the twists and I'm like, okay, we're getting towards the the end. And, but also when I was practicing with my friends and, um, we had, and I was <laughs> trying to figure out the order of things and we had gone from, you know, standing positions and then we had gone down to some things on the floor and then I brought them back up and she was just like, no, this is not what we do. Once we're on the floor, we stay <laughs> down there. She was like, that is just cruel. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I will stay mindful of that or at least warn you that that's what is happening. But our minds play such huge games with us in terms of how we navigate through places and spaces <laughs> throughout the day oh so funny well, yeah I did a practice the other day where I moved a lot of the things that I normally do at the end and I started the practice with that so we started with like bridges and I mean dynamic and so you know definitely a lot less strenuous than at the end, but you know, what I was trying to communicate is you always have options. And so that day I chose to exercise the option of moving all of the end of practice stuff to the beginning and just kind of switching things around. I like for people to have to not be able to zone out and just kind of like, they don't know that a flow is coming, you know, rather than knowing that a flow is coming and just kind of going into it, kind of having to wait and be patient and wait for me to tell them what's coming Mm -hmm. next so then they're engaged in the the practice and not just kind of moving 
mindlessly through the mo the movements. Um, should we ask Siobhan what's her favorite yoga mat? Yeah, what's your mat of choice? Okay, um, <laughs> I don't necessarily have um, a favorite yoga mat right now. What I will say is the yoga mats that I've chosen, like I just like yoga mats. I like mats that are aesthetically um, exciting to me because it makes me want to get on the mat and, and practice. Um, and so to, as long as it's thick, um, so I like the really thick mats. Um, I seem to really like mats that have chakras on them. Even before I started studying what the chakras were, like I was just kind of drawn to that. Um, but a couple weeks ago, there was a mat that was on this um, website and I just, I loved it when I saw it. It was this light color. <laughs> You'll see it when I'm practicing. It hangs on my wall because I haven't used it yet. So it's like this light color, it's, it's like a cream color, it's got the chakras on it, it's really thick, it's made out of um, like hemp and, or hemp and something, and um, rubber and something else, it's really soft and bouncy, and I'm afraid to mess it up, so I haven't taken it down. <laughs> Uh, so that might be my favorite mat. It came from something like my yoga essentials. I was attracted to the, um, to the website because of the people that they were using to advertise their products. And it really, you know, it really spoke to me. So I went on and that, you know, I saw this, this mat and um, I'm going to try it out. I'm going to try it out this week, but right now it's so much my favorite mat that I don't want to take it off the wall because I don't want to mess it up. I don't know yet what the best way will be to clean it. Cause it sort of feels like a cotton. Um, and so it just stays there so that it looks nice. <laughs> well, most mats and I actually, cause my sisters bought me a mat recently for my birthday. They surprised me the new one. Mm -hmm. So I vowed to start cleaning them more often. I wrote a blog post about it not that long ago on the MLPC. Okay. Just mix a solution, I think, of tea tree oil okay. and water and like a really gentle soap. Okay. Like a Dr. Bonner's kind of thing in a spray bottle. I have mine in a spray bottle and then I just kind of like spray it and wipe it down Okay. with a cloth. And that's a good way to clean it. But you what's your sign? This is I'm driving fine. me crazy. Are you an earth sign? I am actually a fire sign. Ooh, Which, are you a Yes, I'm an Aries, um, so I'm a fire sign, yes. Oh, you remember this, Siobhan? I just forgot yeah. that we have almost the same birthday. Right. And we yeah. figured that out because Siobhan went on the MLP website and saw my birthday yoga class and saw the date. She's April yep. 6th and I'm April yep. 7th, right? Yep. Yeah. And I'm like, this is why I'm like, we just clicked right away. So, yeah. Aww. Yes. Yeah, no, because I was just like watching you the whole time. I'm like, what is she? What is she? <laughs> I, got, so funny. I got a strong earthy vibe from you, but I was like, but she's not full earth. There's something else. There's Which something. Which is really funny that when people think I'm an earth sign, because I, I have some sort of connection to the earth because all of my favorite colors are literally earth tones. They just, mm -hmm. they are. And they have been for my entire life. So I may need to explore that a little bit. It's probably a birth chart. You probably have a moon or something. Or I'm a fire. I'm a Leo. Okay. But my moon and my rising are both earth signs. Uh-huh. And 
I feel best like Dan, uh, the psychic who was on our show a couple of weeks ago, he confirmed to me, he was like, you belong in like foresty greenery trees that kind of thing you're drawn to that and I've been figuring that out like from years ago you know so it makes sense yeah look into it where charts are fun especially since I'm like constantly trying to take people outside I'm like no no we don't have to do zoom yoga today let's go to the park let's go to this field listen to the birds chirping (laughs) (laughs) oh this is so nice yes I actually have a question for both of you and I hope this doesn't stretch into too long of a tangent in case either one of you is really busy. But in yoga teacher training, do you have to learn about the sutras? Mm. I would That's say it depends yes. on mm-hmm. where you go for your training. Um, on my 200 hour, I don't remember it, us being formally educated by reading through the sutras but i do remember we did satya circles every uh every other day satya means truth and the question the prompt was always um relevant to a yoga sutra like it would be like you know how do we embody ahimsa and so i mean i guess we had a guided discussion but there were things that i I remember us never touching um and then my advanced training my two advanced trainings, actually, both of the teachers were like obsessed with the sutras, which matched me because I'm pretty obsessed too. Um, <laughs> and so we did a lot, a lot of in detail learning about that. But I think it depends on like, you know, there's so much history in yoga. It just depends on like what the teacher's kind of focus is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I agree with that. And I, I will add that so many... 200 hour programs I'm finding are so different from one another. And so some will be heavy on, um, you know, sutras and anatomy and, you know, asana and maybe, you know, less on something else. Whereas um, some may not hit the, um, focus a lot on the asana and not hit the philosophy very much. And so if that's something that you're interested in, I would definitely, you know, look at things. Um, even the the training that I completed, we weren't, it, it's so funny because when I was looking at the list of things that Alex has planned for her 200 hour training, I was in love with every single piece of it. And I really feel like that anybody who does her training program is going to come out of it, not only as a well-rounded yoga instructor, but also someone who is fully and completely ready to walk out there and teach rather than having to try to piece together experiences on their own. Um, And so I say that to say that if that's something that you are thinking about, just kind of do your research because they're not all created equal. Hmm. Very nice. I'm going to move that chunk up somewhere in the episode so it doesn't sound so like lasty, you know, but... It was a question I wanted to ask you guys about the sutras, so cool. The sutras are super important and it just kind of, you know, the, um, that's the, the piece of the yoga that helps you navigate through everything else Mm -hmm. on and off the mat. And so I found a lot of, um, I'll say comfort for lack of a better word in, in them and just helping me understand myself better in the world that we live in and helping me bring things to people that, that they need by the example that I show. 
because of what I've learned. Which ultimately is what you live your practice and your teaching by. Yeah. Which is why you are such a hit with everybody. I can tell, and I, I see you on our WhatsApp and you're really engaging. And I like how you answer everybody. Like, oh, absolutely. Times and like, I barely, I've only gone to one of your classes, you know, and like, no, you're, you're definitely a joy to have in the community. And I think I can speak for everybody. Thank you. That a lot. I love, I love, love, love being here. I really, really do. I'm stru- not stressed out, but as the summer ends and school, you know, is looming over overhead, and we don't even have our schedule yet. But at the front of my mind is how do I continue doing this for this community around the schedule that is coming, and so I know that as much as you say I'm bringing to the mindful life practice, I am getting back in so like so much greater, <laughs> just volume. It's just, I, I love it. So what you see is totally and completely genuine and I'm getting, I'm giving back just a fraction of what I'm getting from everybody. So there's that. Uh, well, well, thank you so much, Siobhan. Such a great um, podcast guest. Yay. I had fun. I yeah. loved it. It felt yeah. like we were sitting around in like with blankets and 30 degree colder weather and eating muffins. <laughs> awesome. Jasmine, I'll tell you, like I told Alex before that I have been like super paranoid about most things that are technology. And so, you know, even when, when, when Alex invited me to teach for the first time during the yoga party, I was absolutely terrified. I talked myself into doing it anyway, because I didn't want to miss the opportunity. Well, since then she keeps like, you know, giving me these, these little pushes into other avenues that I've been just reluctant to terrified to do and podcasts was one of them. I have spent so much time avoiding pod- my own father does podcasts and has been trying to invite me as a guest on his podcast for years, years. And I've declined every single time. And then Alex asked me, you know, the <laughs> other day and I was like, okay, I guess, I guess we're doing this. <laughs> I love her energy. It's very oh my God. well, Mr. Siobhan's dad. Um, if you listen to this and you want to comment on the poor sound quality and like choppy editing, you, you're very welcome to contact me for tips. <laughs> to, to give me tips. I mean, I'm like now I'm nervous. <laughs> but thank you awesome. guys. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. We had fun too, and uh, I don't have anything to say to feel complete either, just that I'm really happy that you made it out. And I would like to let everybody know that what happened in Beirut last week was a tragedy, but we're still helping. There's so many different causes to help rebuild the country, rebuild the city, and just not just rebuild it physically, but rebuild it in terms of abolishing the the policy system that sponsors migrant workers for very, very little freedom in return. We're trying to send them home to evacuate them because they're sleeping on the streets right now. Um, You can follow, this is Lebanon 961 for that, to support that. You can donate to the Lebanese Red Cross. You can donate to Impact Lebanon. Um, 
I will include some links in this podcast and we welcome any, any help that anybody is willing to give at this time. Thank you for letting me say that. <laughs> um, thank you for letting me use this platform to say that. And uh, yeah, that's it. Thank you, Siobhan, for being here. Alex, as always. And we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Practice Community.